from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to join the program, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, it is the Wednesday night edition of the program. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody out there celebrating, uh, doing dinner, flowers, candy, chocolates, all that fun stuff. And uh, there's a bunch of things I want to get into tonight. Uh, we have several discussions that need to be had. And um, one of them is going to circle around crime in New York and uh, the the shooting that occurred at the end of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, victory parade. Uh, but there's others. There's other things I want to get into. There are some uh, interesting uh, cyber scammers that are out there that are targeting people, in particular lonely elderly people, with these cyber scams. So we're going to learn a little bit about that as well. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, all the buzz today, right? There's a lot of news out there today. Uh, of course, Russia's, you know, said to be threatening to have a massive security threat in space. Uh, going to jump into that briefly, but I'm really going to dig into that tomorrow. Uh, just because we've got a, a Space Force person scheduled to join us tomorrow that could really walk us through that. But something that I want to get into tonight is the... Let me see how I phrase this. I don't know. Back in 2017, a long time ago, there were there were ideas, there was speculation that the Obama administration and Vice President Biden we're working with foreign governments to get them to, in effect, spy on Americans because it was not legal for Americans to spy on Americans. And then they figured out a way to do that, including people that were working on then-candidate Trump's campaign. That morphed into then spying on candidate Trump, which then morphed into, obviously... Uh, President Trump. And we heard all about it, right? I mean, these things um, these things have had a long-ranging implications. Many people have written books on the Russia hoax, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just wanted to address this a little bit because the, the first time that I'd heard anything about this was back um, from the great one, Mark Levin. And he'd kind of strung a few things together and just uh, his observations based on what he'd heard in the media. And I think this is very important because it's important that we understand how this spying occurred and where it had its, its uh, roots, you know, the genesis of it and the fact that it actually happened. All right. So, gonna 
let's let's start with. Well, I won't have time to do both of these. And these are kind of drawn out. And this is uh, something that uh, Mark Levin explained on the radio and then kind of repeated uh, when he went on uh, the Fox News channel on Fox and Friends with Pete Hegseth. So we'll do the, the, the one here, number 17. Listen to this. On your Thursday evening radio broadcast, you laid out a devastating case about executive overreach of the Obama administration, which many believe metamorphosized itself to tweets that President Trump sent out on Saturday morning, accusing potential wiretapping in Trump Tower. Uh, we want to give you a case here this morning to lay out what you know, what you know about it, and the evidence you have for the potential executive overreach of the Obama administration. Well, pleasure to be here. The evidence is overwhelming. This is not about President Trump's tweeting. This is about the Obama administration's spying. And the question isn't whether it's spied. We know they went to the FISA court twice. The question is, who did they spy on? The extent of the spying. That is, the Trump campaign, the Trump transition, Trump surrogates. And I want to walk you through this, the American people. Exhibit one. Exhibit one. This is all public. Head Street, two separate sources with links to the counterintelligence community have confirmed that the FBI sought and was granted a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. This is spying uh, in October, giving counterintelligence permission to examine the activity of, quote, U.S. persons in Donald Trump's campaign with ties to Russia. Let me go on. This isn't me. They say the first FISA request sources say name Trump was denied back in June, denied by the court. Mm -hmm. But the second was drawn more narrowly and was granted in October after evidence was presented of a server possibly related to the Trump campaign and its alleged links to two banks. Now, sources suggest that a FISA warrant was granted to look at the full content of emails and other related documents that may concern U.S. persons. Now, I know people are hung up with Trump's word wiretapping, well, how'd they get access to this server information? Does it really matter if it was wiretapping, electronic surveillance, or whatever it was? Exhibit two, The Guardian, a well-known right-wing British paper. Here it is, uh, quote, The Guardian has learned the FBI applied for a warrant from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court over the summer in order to monitor four members of the Trump team suspected of irregular contacts with Russian officials. Keep in mind, this is during a presidential election. The sitting president, the incumbent party, is now investigating the presidential candidate of the Republican Party and his campaign to some extent. The FISA court turned down the application asking FBI counterintelligence investigators to narrow its focus. According to one report, the FBI was finally granted a warrant in October. Exhibit three, McClatchy, another well-known right-wing newspaper. Here they have the agency's headline. FBI, five other agencies, five other Obama administration agencies probe possible covert Kremlin aid to Trump. The FBI and five other law enforcement intelligence agencies have collaborated for months in an investigation into Russian attempts to influence the November election, including whether money from Kremlin uh, covertly aided presidential-elect Donald Trump. Two people familiar with the matter said the agencies involved in the inquiry are the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the Justice Department, the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, and representatives of the Director of the National Intelligence. Are you telling me Barack Obama didn't know what was Mark, going on in six go, agencies? As you hold go on, on, hold on, how are hold you? On. Okay, keep going. I'm not done. I need to make the case because the media seems to be confused about their own reporting. 
New so York there Times, you have Mark Levin just going in over and over and over, uh, point by point, making the case that the uh, rogue members of the FBI at the time um, lied and got a foreign um, intelligence surveillance court order, a warrant to surveil Trump and members of his campaign. And this was this was not only uh, discovered and proven and addressed in the Mueller report, then in the inspector general's report. And, and there were harsh words, but no action taken, you know, after this was done so that it in effect could be done again, I guess, because people saw that there was no consequence to it. And it leads me to believe that the entire, the entirety of our federal law enforcement system is, is compromised. That doesn't mean every last person, but it means those that make the system work, right? Some people are um, have more sway, more pull, more influence than others. And it's clear to me that as a whole, right, these aren't just isolated incidents and otherwise this thing works fine. And I think some people might say, well, you're wrong, Rich. I don't think every day that they're abusing the system. No, I think once you've abused the system this much, the system doesn't work anymore. That's what I mean, right? If you have a child living in a home, uh, whether it's foster parents, real parents, and that child gets abused, you don't wait until they get abused again to say, oh, I don't think this is working. You take the kid out and you, and you realize this home is no good for that child. So uh, I am expressing to you that once law enforcement becomes the criminal, this type of law enforcement uh, or the amount of power they have, the system we have in place, the FBI, the intelligence community, the FBI being part of the intelligence community is not functional. And therefore, in my opinion, should not exist. Uh, there should be a, a federal uh, lab for all of the wonderful lab work that the FBI does. There should be, um, you know, a, a federal investigative um, unit that deals with financial crimes and uh, bank robbers and things like that. You know, a lot of the stuff that they do there. But everything related to the intelligence community, which seems to be uh, the, the number one mission of the FBI as of late, at least the last 20 years or so, um, I think needs to be dismantled. But I want to talk about law enforcement. I want to talk about what's going on in New York, what's going on with the um, Kansas City Chiefs, what's going on. There's so much uh, with respect to law enforcement and crime, not only on the federal level, but on the local level. So I want to do that straight ahead, and we're going to continue our our discussion uh, on this as well as we uh, bring in a couple of other topics and a couple of other guests throughout the evening. So if you want to join the convo, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Conclusion of the Chiefs rally today. There were shots fired on the west side of Union Station. Immediately, officers responded to the area, took two people into custody, and also immediately rendered life sustaining aid to those victims. We're still gathering information on the number and the status of victims. But like I said, we know that one of the victims is deceased. We also know that officers ran towards danger. 
officers were there to keep everyone safe. That is Police Chief Stacy Graves at a press conference today following uh, the um, NFL team, the Kansas City Chiefs victory parade for winning the Super Bowl. And um, some gunfire broke out at the end of that. And, of course, that's uh, spurred a lot of reaction across the country. We're going to get a reaction from from various perspectives tonight. Uh, The perspective I want to get right now is from retired Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith. She is the spokesperson for the National Police Association, uh, one of my favorites here on the program. Sarge, welcome back. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Rich, uh, even though, of course, it's under unfortunate circumstances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's always um, a horrible thing when, when people start shooting people. And honestly, I don't have the the scoop on this. Uh, I, I don't know the, the details, the ins and outs, but... Uh, what do you know as of as of late? So right at the end of this rally in uh, the Union Station area, and for people familiar with Kansas City, Missouri, um, uh, you know, there's there's always, you know, tourists there and things like that. But, of course, there was just so many people today. Shots rang out. Twenty two people uh, were injured, one dead. Um She's a mother of two. She's a local. She's kind of a local celebrity. Uh, she's a disc jockey uh, who goes by the name of Lisa G. Her adult oh son God. was also uh, shot. And uh, eight of this shot. G. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, so eight of the people, eight of the 22 were children, which makes this so awful. Fortunately, none of the children are in critical condition. And Kansas City, Missouri has a terrific children's hospital. Um, so the kids are getting uh, great care. And I, and I've got to have a, I got to have a little shout out to a fan named Paul Contreras who tackled one of the armed shooters right outside of union station and stopped him uh, really putting himself in danger. So a lot happening with this situation. Three are in custody. Two of them are known to be armed. But uh, we haven't seen uh, the release of their names or if they have gang affiliations or what it is. Now, of course, uh, the the folks on the side of. Let's take your guns every time somebody, you know, shoot somebody illegally, uh, they they were quick to react. And um, Congressman Jason Crow from Colorado was on MSNBC today. Uh, immediately calling for gun control in the wake of the Chiefs Parade shooting. I want you to listen to this. We have a crisis in our nation. Uh, there, there's no reason why almost 40,000 Americans a year should be dying at the hands of guns. This is a uniquely American problem, right? Nobody else in the world has the problem that we have right now. Uh, and my heart breaks, my thoughts and my prayers go out. Uh, to the families and the victims here. But listen, I'm a member of Congress. I'm a legislator, right? I'm not a member of the clergy. Uh, and my job is not to just send thoughts and prayers. My, my job is to legislate and to try to solve problems. And that's why I've been pushing very hard to try to solve it. And that's why people should be pushing their members of Congress and others to join with us to do the same. Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith, spokesperson for the National Police Association. When you hear Congressman Jason Crow say that because some people decided to do evil things and shoot people, kill people, it, is that a uniquely American problem? 
Well, Congressman Jason Crow immediately runs to a microphone whenever there's a shooting. He uh, just a couple of days ago, he was talking about trying to pass legislation in Colorado, um, disallowing anyone who walks into a place of worship uh, carry a gun. And this was his response to the shooting at the Lakewood Church, uh, Joel Seen Church in Houston. Um, Jason Crow wants to take away your guns. If you, uh, in, you know, if you want to get rid of guns in this country, I'm sorry, but that ship has sailed. What we need to do is prosecute and imprison people who commit gun crimes and stop talking about gun control. People who are going to shoot up a crowd of merrymakers, for example, like what happened today, are not going to follow gun laws. They didn't follow. It's against the law to shoot into a crowd. It's against the law to kill people. You know, we have plenty of laws. We just don't use them. And that's I think, is one of the problems in uh, Kansas City is are we prosecuting criminals to the fullest extent of the law. The mayor ran on uh, safety, but he also ran on police reform. He ran on housing reform. He uh, took about a fifth of his police budget away from the police in 2021, reallocated it. That's another way of saying defunding. He reallocated it to social (laughs) services and things like that. You know what happened? Homicides doubled last year from 2020. Um, right now, the mayor's changing his tune a little bit. Uh, just a few, uh, I think it was a few days ago, he asked uh, in his new budget uh, for a an increase for police recruit hires. He's asking for a 30% increase. And a starting police recruit, they only start at $50,000 in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. He's asking that to, to uh, be raised to 65000 because they have a, a shortage of police officers and they have a critical shortage uh, of 911 dispatchers. Oh, um, you know, and yet, and the police chief, she talked about this, Stacey Graves. The fir- one of the first things she talked about today in the press conference was how her officers ran toward the shots. Yep, which, which cops often do. Folks, we're on with Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith, and we're going to continue our discussion on what's going on with crime and policing in the United States. We just saw today the the guy, one of the guys that beat up the cops in New York City uh, famously about a week ago. This guy got arrested again for stealing this time in Queens. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. video of the suspect in that NYPD officer beating. He was just arrested in a separate Macy's robbery case. 
suspected of being involved in a security guard beatdown. The security guard outside Macy's was punched and kicked. Darwin Gomez was one of those beating suspects, a judge initially freed without bail after the beating of two NYPD police officers in Times Square. All right, there is a report on this. And what's interesting here is that we know that these people are not just um, stealing because they're hungry, stealing because they need to feed their families. They're stealing a loaf of bread. No, these are these are professional thieves, right? These are uh, crews that have been robbing people since they lived in Venezuela. And now they're here in New York and they're doing it here because they know that they can get away with it. And I think that was famously uh, pointed out on CNN, of all places, where um, their uh, legal analyst pointed it out. And the hosts were flabbergasted, jaw dropping. All they could say was, oh, <laughs> Sergeant Betsy Brantner Smith is the spokesperson for the National Police Association. And Sarge, when you hear that, what's your reaction to this? Well, this 19-year-old man uh, should still be in Rikers Island awaiting trial, but he was released and he went back right out to doing what he does, which is, uh, frankly, uh, gang activity that involves stealing high-end merchandise. Here's the thing. In my native Chicago, the arrest of Venezuelans has since uh, in 2023 was up 2,500%. Since 2021, it's been up 11,000%. Now, this isn't because Venezuelans are born criminals. This is because in sanctuary cities, uh, thanks to the Biden administration, Venezuelans were given sort of super citizen or super immigrant status. And so what, what is happening is they are emptying out their prisons. They are coming here and they are engaging with our street gangs. They're rivaling MS-13 right now for the amount of gang activity, uh, serious criminal activity that they're involved in. And how do you stop this? Again, you put them in prison. We, there are laws against everything that this 19-year-old man did. He should have never been out, but we have... Uh, lax bail laws. You've got a Manhattan prosecutor named Alvin Bragg, who is more who is more concerned with his own political career than he is stopping uh, crime in um, the Manhattan district. And uh, people are paying for it and businesses are paying for it. And we're going to lose retail establishments um, in areas where they are so needed because business can't continue on like this. You know, Sergeant Betsy Brantner Smith, when when I I hear these reports coming, uh, you know, through television or radio, and and I hear your comments, all I can think of is honestly, uh, it echoes in my head, they're rapists, they're criminals, bad hombres, right? <laughs> and and they criticized uh, former President Trump so much for saying those things, and he doubled down recently and said, you know, the same thing. And I, I spent uh, a few days. Uh, at the beginning of the year, first week of January in uh, Medellin, Colombia. And I, I was talking to one of the cab drivers that was driving me around, and he was uh, from Venezuela. And he was telling me how difficult things are, how, uh, how, how crazy things have gotten in Venezuela because of communism. And this has forced many people to leave, including the, the criminal element, uh, to find their way to commit more crimes in neighboring Colombia. And if that's a problem they're facing and they're right next to each other, 
Uh, one can only imagine that the problems we're going to face when people make a trek from all the way over there, straight across uh, the Rio Grande, straight across the United States, really, right? You've got to get from, from Texas all the way up to New York City to do these types of things. And that's exactly what's happening. And and I feel like, uh, I don't know, like, it, like I'm in the twilight zone almost, where it, it seems clear as day to me, if you've got Venezuelan uh, gang members that are known to steal and beat people and do what they're doing, today a cop was cut with a machete, or a week ago, or a few days ago, within a week, uh, an NYPD officer. Uh, crazy. I mean, just what, what I'm hearing and seeing is absolute insanity. It's like bedlam on the streets, yet I don't hear a ton of it being reported. And and I feel like the general population just is clueless to it. Well, you're you know, you're right about that. And a lot of that is because of irresponsible journalism. You know, thank God we have people like you who actually talk about real facts and real issues. Um, But we we have a lot of journalists who will not talk about these issues. I see it locally here in Tucson, Arizona, where I live. We're one of the epicenters for illegal immigration. And yet our local media doesn't like to talk about it enough. Another thing we have, Rich, is people don't remember when this happened before. You're too young to remember. I'm pretty sure the uh, Mariel boat lift in uh, 1980, that was the year I was a very young police officer where we had this mass immigration of Cubans. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't the best and the brightest. It was emptied out prisons, emptied out insane asylums, and we paid for it with violent crime for a very long time. We got a handle on that violent crime in the 90s. We are right back. It's Groundhog Day all again, uh, again for the United States. I just don't think a lot of people remember it. And, of course, in the United States, we're lousy about looking back at our history and learning from it. You know, Sarge, you're right. I, I don't remember that. But I, I did grow up around that, right? I was two years old in 1980. But I do remember uh, growing up with a bunch of Cubans uh, in Union City, New Jersey, who would constantly, they, it was a pejorative to call someone a Marielito, which meant you came yeah, on yes. the Mariel boat lift, right? Marielito, and, and, yes. And, exactly. And, and, it was an insult. Right. Yes. If a Cuban called another Cuban a Marielito, it was because you, you were acting, you know, uh, ghetto, right? You, you were just misbehaving. Mm-hmm. It, it was wrong. And, and you know, I, I, I grew up hearing these terms, and I always thought it was just interesting. And I, I've had, you know, in that culture, uh, Union City, New Jersey, the, the Cuban culture, they they, um, they oftentimes would pull me aside and be like, oh, you're Puerto Rican. You don't know about this, but let me school you on it. And they would. And they would uh, tell mm-hmm. me about how, how these people were the least desirable in Cuba. And Fidel Castro wanted to get rid of those people. So since the United States is willing to make a deal and accept um, these, these refugees, why not? And they sent us their absolute worst. And it was well known in the Cuban community. It seemed like it just fell on deaf ears in other places. And here we are, uh, I don't know, a million years later, and uh, we're doing the same exact thing. And I, I honestly can't wrap my head around it. I'm sure there's a lot of people with a lot of speculation as to why it happens, the political implications and, and, and rationale for it. But ultimately, I think it's it's the people that lose, right? And it's public safety that loses. And do you see uh, light at the end of the tunnel, Sarge? Well, you know, I'm an I'm an optimist and I do see light at the end of the tunnel. We are seeing a lot more support for law enforcement. Um, We're seeing a lot more support for law and order. People are tired of it, Rich. People are tired of being afraid. They're tired of being scared when they drive their car and and they worry about being carjacked. They, you know, are worried about taking their kid to school and is there going to be a shooting? People are exhausted 
but they have got to take that frustration, that exhaustion, and transfer it, transfer it to the ballot box. We've got to bring in political leadership that is willing to do something about true law and order, true safety. And, of course, uh, we need to have true immigration uh, controls here in the United States. Right now in the southern border, as I sit here 80 miles from it, uh, we are not in control of the southern border. The Mexican drug cartels are in control of our southern border, and uh, that should not be the case. I agree with that 100%. And, and, I, and from your lips to God's ears, uh, there's some sort of solution there, uh, and a- something actually happens. There's days I wake up and I'm ready to take on the world, and then there's days I wake up and I think, you know what, we're outnumbered here. <laughs> we're outnumbered between Biden, Mayorkas, <laughs> every last person that they've you know, got doing their dirty work at the border. And, and it, it becomes frustrating at times. And you hear these stories of, of cops. And um, I was at a family funeral recently and spoke with a cop, a NYPD guy, 16 years on the job. And he was just like, man, uh, you know, I don't quit because I'm on for too long, but uh, I can't wait till my, it's my time. You know, he, he, I think he was on a contract for 20 and, and he had four more yeah. years to go. And it's just very disheartening to hear that. Uh, that that's the case, but that's where we are. Sarge, let everybody know how they can find you and uh, follow the great work you're doing. So go to nationalpolice.org, nationalpolice.org, and you can see all the great work that this charity, and we are a charity that we do to support the American law enforcement officer, as well as the people who support us. You can find us on Twitter at Nat Police Associates. You can find me on Twitter at Sergeant Betsy Smith, SGT Betsy Smith. You and I follow each other. And uh, take a look at us on Facebook as well. We have a great YouTube channel, and uh, we are doing great work for not just for law enforcement officers, but for law and order in the United States. Amen to that. And uh, Sarge is right. I do follow her. She's a good person to follow. Make sure you follow her, too, online. And check out the website for the National Police Association. Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith, like always, great conversation. I appreciate your time tonight. Godspeed to you. Thanks, Rich, so much. Great to talk to you. Can't wait till next time. Amen to that. Hopefully under better circumstances. And, folks, we're going to get to your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back, and we continue our conversation this evening uh, with you all, America, and our phone number again, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. I want to touch on a a story that's a little bit um, off of this topic, but sort of fits. Uh, It's on Fox, and listen to this headline. Anti-gun activists use AI to recreate the voices of mass shooting victims to taunt lawmakers with robocalls. So to give a little uh, perspective on this, 
the parents of a Parkland shooting victim, Manuel and Patricia Oliver, they want Congress to ban AR-15 rifles. So what they did was they're using artificial intelligence to recreate the voices of their loved ones and send these out in the form of robocalls, like the ones we get every day for auto warranties and whatever else people harass us about. And kind of like you do around election time, too. And the robocall messages are being sent to senators and House members who support the NRA and the Second Amendment in a uh, campaign that they launched on Valentine's Day today, uh, according to the Associated Press. Manuel and Patricia Oliver, whose son Joaquin uh, died in 2018 at the shooting at Parkland High School. And I I can tell you, you know, it's interesting. At that time, I was dating a girl that lived in Coral Springs, which is where Parkland High School is. And I, I was going there for Valentine's Day. And I remember getting on the plane and reading the headline about a, a shooter. And next thing you know, I land. And it was absolutely crazy because her kids went to that school. And it was just a surreal day. It was all over. You know, I was there locally. And uh, seeing the coverage of it at the time, wall-to-wall coverage, just absolutely crazy. And she had a, um, uh, a relative that was part of one of the law enforcement agencies that was responding to that and was, you know, giving her a little bit of insight. And, uh, you know, just to hear some of the things that were happening, is just really crazy uh, to, to get that kind of information. It was, it was a very surreal day. And I can't, I don't envy any of these parents, obviously, and my heart goes out to them. Uh, but the quote from uh, the dad here, he says, we come from a place where gun violence is a problem. But you'll never see a 19-year-old with an AR-15 getting into a school and shooting people. There's a reason for gun violence in a third-world country. There's no reason for gun violence in the amount of victims in the United States. Very difficult to have a conversation with somebody who's using the word gun violence. And I know I look at the word gun violence and I think guns are not violent. And I know others mean it to be violence per perpetrated by a gun. I just don't believe that guns perpetrate violence, and I don't think we use that modifier on any other uh, violence. I mean, sometimes we'll say domestic violence, but ultimately violence is violence, and we need to treat it as such. It's wrong, right? It's, it's wrong whether you're a husband beating your spouse. Uh, it's wrong whether you're a stranger beating another stranger. Um, all of this stuff is wrong. And, and there are laws on the books for it, and we need to enforce those laws when we can. But I think there's a realization that we have to make that there are people that want to do bad things. And there's no amount of laws in the world where we can legislate their immorality, their bad behavior. People are going to do bad stuff. And I'm not condoning the fact that these things happen I'm explaining, I think, my take on why they do. And I've never understood the rationale of everybody losing their lawful right to keep and bear arms because somebody went and did something bad and abused their right to do it. I just, it's crazy to me. It is a, a crazy thing. However, people think you're crazy if if you don't agree with them, 
because in their head they're thinking, I lost a child. You're going to tell me that everybody should have a right to a gun when I don't have a child anymore? How do you argue with someone like that? You can't. I mean, you can try, but their, their emotions have surpassed logic long ago. And, and you know, I'm not going to say rightfully so, but understandably so. So it's a very, very difficult road to walk down. But one that I think we have to walk down nonetheless, right? We can't just suspend laws for lawful people, for law-abiding citizens in the name of the bad guy. The, the, the evil wrongdoer can't be the one that dictates what happens to the law-abiding citizen. We just can't live in that world. It's upside down. Anyway, there is more to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, to the phones we go, 8334-VALDEZ. Let's go to Al, Kalispell, Montana, KOFI. Very quickly, go right ahead. Hey, Rich, I just really wanted to say that the anti-gun movement with them using AI voice simulation of shooting victims, that clearly demonstrates how twisted, power-hungry, and sick they are. Yeah, you know, Al, I'm I'm with you there. And I think, you know, the way I don't want to speak for the parents of these people, uh, of these, you know, these victims, but I can't help but think that some gun advocate somewhere uh, is exploiting their grief and saying, you know, we could use your children's voice. You know, even though they're not here, they can still have a voice for this movement so that this doesn't have to happen in the future. And I could see them saying that. And the reality is you can't there's no law in the world that's going to stop some psycho from doing crazy things. And of course, you know, what, what always stops these people? Either they shoot themselves or the cops shoot them dead. That's the only way you stop a killer with a gun is with another gun. At least that's what I've seen so far. Um, if that ever changes, I'll let you know. Al, great call. Appreciate it. Big shout out to Montana KOFI. Let's go to Arizona. My buddy Pat, haven't heard from you in a while, listening on KNFO out of Colorado. Pat, what's up, my man? Quickly. Hey, Rich, you know, um, it, it's, it's insanity. You know, what's going on with these gun right people doing that stuff. They're using these dead victims for their own gain. And that's not right. I mean, you look at what's happening in New York, you know, and what's happening in Chicago, what's happening in California. In our state, we had, you know, in my town, and I'm north of that lady that was just talking. She's in Tempe. I'm in Sedona, I'm about 200 miles north of her. We had a bunch of these gentlemen run in and do a smash and grab at one of our drugstores. Yeah, the local. You know, these smash and grab crimes, Pat, they're all over the place. And it, this illegal immigration situation we have has to be corrected. Pat, let's finish this at open phones because the, the music is kicking both of us out of here. Good to hear from you. I hope you can call back a little bit later. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez coming right back.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the uh, Wednesday night edition of the program. Happy Valentine's Day. If you want to join us on our late-night national town hall conversation, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I want to um, go over a couple of things because, of course, we uh, just talked about the shots that were fired at the Kansas City Super Bowl celebration, multiple injuries. One person was, in fact, killed. Uh, we also have uh, other reports that have come out today. Uh, Tony Bobolinsky, a one-time Hunter Biden associate, says that a Chinese Communist Party-linked entity tried to infiltrate the Obama administration by way of Joe Biden. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the top of the next hour. Uh, we also saw a report uh, released from the journalists, let's see, uh, Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi, and Alex Gutentag. And what they're uh, citing, multiple unnamed sources in their report, that the CIA and foreign intelligence agencies illegally targeted 26 Trump associates before the 2016 Russia collusion claims. And that's, again, according to their report. This is also being reported by the New York Post and uh, Victor Nava. And what they, um, what they allege here is that exactly what the headline says, right? The, the U.S. intelligence community identified these 26 associates of Trump's as people to bump or to make contact with or manipulate uh, in order to be able to surveil them. And in the continuation of this, they were able to spy on them and gain a lot of information about them. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as well uh, in the next uh, hour. I also want to talk about what's going on, a little bit of what's going on in the culture war and in the world of medicine. Earlier this week, uh, doctors uh, Miriam Grossman and Lauren Schwartz, psychiatrists and uh, both fellows of Do No Harm, an organization dedicated to removing politics from medicine. They authored a very critical op-ed in the Dallas Morning News laying uh, the laying to bear the uh, failings of the once esteemed APA, the American Psychological Association, and they really called them out. Uh, doctors Grossman and Schwartz criticized the APA's recent publication of the psychiatric care textbook called Gender-Affirming Psychiatric care, which asserts that psychiatry and psychology have perpetuated the oppression of transgender youths whose depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and suicidality are due to stress and the stress from living in a cisgender or heteronormative society and how these individuals lack access to quality care because of, quote, cisgender people in power. Now, 
This is something we talk about pretty often on this program because I think it's a pervasive problem in society today. And oftentimes I always wonder, where are the doctors that call out the BS when they hear it? Because it just doesn't sound like it makes sense. And in my opinion, this doesn't add up. Anyway, in an open letter uh, to the American Psychological Association, the APA, with over 6,500 signatures from other mental health professionals and concerned citizens, doctors Grossman and Schwartz demanded that the APA reverse course and stop ignoring the evidence-based care and remember their duty that they have to their patients, their families, and uh, other medical and mental health professionals, as well as the public. And I commend them for that and with us to discuss a little bit about why they called out the APA is Dr. Lauren Schwartz. Doc, welcome. Ah, Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate the work that you're doing. And uh, I guess my question, uh, the first question will be, why? Right? Why do this if, um, you know, you're it's probably easier for you to live your life without calling these people out. Why put yourself in the crosshairs and do this? Sure. And I think it's how I've always practiced medicine. Um, and that is my patients always come first. Um, their health and well-being and safety and stabilization have to be my top priority no matter what. And when my professional association puts something out there, whether it be, um, you know, a research art, research article, or in this case, an actual, what they call a textbook that puts my patients in danger or harm's way. Um, I, I don't think I have another choice. Yeah, uh, that's a very fair answer. And, and uh, one that I can definitely appreciate. So for years, I think the APA has been the standard. People look at what they're doing. They're informed by so much of what happens um, with respect to, to care in the mental health world. And mm-hmm. I think now in recent, now when I say now, I mean the last 20 years or so, uh, things have uh, come into question where I, I, I as a layman, right? Uh, let me put this as plainly as I can. As a layman, I, when I hear anybody use the term gender affirming care, it, to me, it sounds mm-hmm. oxymoronic. It doesn't sound like it affirms anything. But moreover, I feel like if, if I had a son, and my son tells me, I feel like I'm a girl, you know, trapped in a boy's body. If I bring my kid to the doctor, I would hope that the doctor would say, let's check your, your boy for hormones and make sure he has the right amount of mm-hmm. testosterone, uh, rather than say, let's fill him with estrogen. Uh, to me, it makes no sense to go the other way just to affirm his gender. And I think it's, it's kind of crazy that we would even do that. Uh, am, am I off my rocker in, in my layman's terms thinking, or uh, is no. there more to it? No, not at all. I think, you know, this is one of the first times I've ever witnessed in medicine where we are, especially in young children, altering their body to match their current perception of themselves. We know that's going to develop and grow over time. Um, the entire process of growth and development, whether it's neurologic, it's emotional, it's biologic, it's cognitive, all of those processes are so intricate and take years. You know, the, the human brain isn't fully developed. Um, your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until, you know, age 24, 25, 26 years old. And mm-hmm. so to think that we would take an approach, if, if you brought your son in and, and do anything that would compromise that process that would 
arrest that development that would um, cause harm um, utilizing a very invasive process versus sitting with your son and saying, well, tell me more about what's going on. Tell me what makes what makes you feel that way? Let's explore that, um, you know, an exploration and listening to someone and validating their, their feelings or even distress. Um, if he was in distress, that's very different than affirming immediately their beliefs. And especially if it's a belief, um, that they were born in the wrong body. Let me ask you, uh, about the, the decision that I'm going to surmise was political, but perhaps was clinical to mm-hmm. remove um, gender dysphoria, as it were, some years ago from the Diagnostic Statistical Manual in its most recent form and, and kind of um, go with the, the current uh, narrative. W- was this a political mm-hmm. decision or a clinical one, in your opinion? I think if I, you know, I'm not a historian on, you know, development of the the DSM and its, and its different versions, um, but I do know quite a bit about what went into the latest revisions. Um, and I think it was probably a combination of both. Um, I, I do, and until proven otherwise, I, I firmly believe there are thousands of doctors out there trying to do the right thing, wanting to do the right thing. Even in this case, we're trying to help as best they could, and they were caught between, you know, the the folks working on um, the DSM revisions. They were caught between um, advocacy groups, um, activist groups pushing one direction, and they were trying to make sure they protected patients um, and the care that they received. Because what you have to recognize is the diagnostic and statistical manual. And that's why one of the reasons why we called out the American Psychiatric Association Mm -hmm. about this is they, they produced that it's kind of the, the Bible, if you will, of psychiatric and mental health diagnoses. Well, that also feeds into reimbursement for care, whether it's with insurance companies or it's with Medicaid or Medicare. So it's, there is so much that goes into it. So if you pull something out, that's not no longer a diagnosis, well, then will there be reimbursement? So I think, I know that's probably not an easy, simple answer, but I think it was, there were probably um, both political as well as clinical influences. Um, And I think just what has happened is, you know, it's just kind of run off to left field um, in terms of just losing any type of medical and clinical guidance um, and really very much now expertise in this area, specifically in gender affirming care it's your level of commitment to the ideology, um, not how much knowledge or experience you have in the field. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a fair answer. And, and of course, I, I'm always looking at the, you know, the glass is half empty on situations like this because I just think it's crazy, <laughs> but uh, I don't know uh, what you know. And, uh, and I think you're probably right. There's probably a number of things that go into making these decisions. Uh, I think ultimately, though, when, you, when these types of decisions are made, um, they need to be called out by by those that do know, right? Um, this is why when people are, are ill or whatever, they go to a medical doctor as yourself for, for psychiatric care because we can't do that on our own. And I think the the, the public is, is relying on you. And, and, and this is part of the reason I think that your organization, Do No Harm, is, is really good at what you're doing and, and important and needed right now because there's too much of that going on. And I think too few uh, physicians are... are courageous enough to speak up uh, in, to really, I guess, uphold their Hippocratic oath to do no harm and say, well, no, I, I don't think that's right. And uh, we're probably harming more than we're helping 
who cares about reimbursements or political pressure? We have to do what we know to be right. And and I, I guess that that leads me to, to my next question, which is why don't we see more of your colleagues stepping up and joining you? Well, I think there's probably multiple answers to that. Um, you know, one piece of it is I think early on, um, you know, back up even five years ago, there I think a lot of folks wanted to be very much um, focused on, okay, we want to be inclusive. We don't want someone to come in and feel uncomfortable or feel, you know, they're already coming in um, for mental health reasons and they can be very distressing. It's very difficult to walk through the door um, and, you know, and talk about very difficult, um, maybe traumatic issues, things that you, you haven't really talked to anyone else about. And so that in and of itself is, is very difficult. And so we do try to make that um, as, you know, as available to everyone as we can. Um, so I don't, so I think some of it was wanting to remain inclusive and, and finding that, okay, well, we're going to support. And the, the word, I think game is also what plays into this. You hear affirmation or you hear affirming care and you think, oh, we'll support it. You know, of course we want to support children and we want to support our patients. So that, of course we would support something that affirms our patients, but affirming a, a gender identity versus affirming a child or affirming a patient or supporting them and validating feelings are two totally different things. Um, but I do feel like there's a lot of um, my colleagues that feel they can't speak up because they're within academic institutions and they are told they will lose their job. Um, they mm-hmm. are afraid of being called out as being bigoted or um, transphobic or homophobic, which is the farthest thing from the truth. I think, you know, sterilizing children that identify as trans is about as transphobic as it gets. I mean, it's, it's horrific to me that we're, we're taking children's um, future choices away from them to have their own children, to breastfeed their own children if they choose to do so, um, to live, um, you know, full adult lives. We're taking that away from them and what we're doing. And so that's where I see the medical community and mental health community failing these children and families. Folks, we are on with Dr. Lauren Schwartz. She's a medical doctor, a psychiatrist. She is a fellow at Do No Harm. Check out their website, donoharmmedicine.org, donoharmmedicine.org. We're going to come back to her and uh, complete our conversation, a very, very eye-opening one that we've been having thus far. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. is America. This is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We uh, continue our conversation uh, with Dr. Lauren Schwartz, a board certified psychiatrist, member of Do No Harm. And uh, Dr. Schwartz, uh, we have a caller with a question for you. 
Uh, Lance, let's keep it as brief as we can because we're up against the clock. He's in Galloway, New Jersey, listening on WOND. Lance, go right ahead. You're on with Dr. Schwartz. Thank you very much, Rich, and thank you very much, Dr. Schwartz, for being there. My problem with this or my dilemma with it is that how come the military of the United States government allows for these kind of will pay for the change of a person's sexual identity? And yet, to this day, from Tennessee, and now this person that was down there in the, uh, with the super church, with another one, a, a, a different identity at one point in time, how can they allow? I mean, to the continuation of this, and you say that they cannot, they're not pushing the agenda, I challenge you to stay on for another segment so you can really bring this to light. Because I'll tell you, this is active listening. And this is more than just a friggin', you know, a fringe benefit. This is nuts. And Thank I, you, I Lance. I appreciate it. Dr. Schwartz, your thoughts? Well, I, you know, my thoughts um, regarding, you know, medical care and psychiatric care um, that we provide any patient, regardless of whether or not they're in the military or otherwise, you know, we want to make sure that we're maintaining the highest ethical standards um, of professional conduct, as well as making sure our patients are cared for the best we can. This is, and this is kind of where I agree. This gender affirming psychiatric care does not belong as a test textbook, especially not um, platformed by the American Psychiatric Association as um, evidence-based because it's just not. And unfortunately, right. I think be, when an organization like our professional organization who claims to have, you know, um, you know, researched and done a tremendous amount of peer review, they talk about peer reviewing things twice before ever publishing it. It says to everyone, including the military, including, you know, providers within the military as well as providers um, for the public and in private practice, um, it says that you don't have to go check on any of this. You know, we've done our, our reviews. We have combed through this. We are the source um, of the, the highest level of information. And, and so you can trust this. And unfortunately, they've now broken that trust. Um, they've really presented something that is kind of evidence-free, right. if you will. Um, right. And it's rooted so much in ideology and so much um, that's really unfortunate for the medical providers trying to provide the best care. Dr. Lauren Schwartz is a board-certified psychiatrist with Do No Harm. Make sure you check out the website, donoharmmedicine.com. Dr. Schwartz, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. You are a gentlewoman, a scholar, and a patriot. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Don't go anywhere. Rich Valdez coming right back. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdes with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdes with you till 1 a.m. Eastern time. That's New York time. If you're catching us on delay or in one of our markets where they catch uh, the show uh, on a tape delay, 
then um, I'm here with you for a little bit longer, another 90 minutes or so. Anyway, welcome back to the program. Our phone number, 833-4825-337-8334, Valdez. And it's Valentine's Day. And there's always a lot to discuss on Valentine's Day. I want to get your calls on all things Valentine's Day as we talk about that. Good stories, bad stories, crazy stories. We're going to talk about it all. But one of the things I want to talk about is suckering people, right? Suckering people who include the elderly and those that are brokenhearted, those that are lonely. And there are some romance scammers out there that are using artificial intelligence to target these uh, these lonely individuals uh, in the wake of today, of, of Valentine's Day. And I want to talk about that because there's online dating scams with chatbots. There's all sorts of uh, things that are going on. And I want to speak with somebody who's a specialist in the cybersecurity uh, area talking about these Valentine's Day cyber scammers. And that's John Bromfield. John uh, Bromfield is with Vistrata, and he's our guest tonight. John, welcome. Hey, Rich. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. You too, brother. So let's let's talk about this. I'm looking at this piece in the New York Post, <clears throat> and it says romance scammers are using AI to target lovelorn, including elderly, ahead of Valentine's Day, and that's according to the feds. Uh, tell us about this. Yeah, um, you know, there was a uh, recent, uh, I think it was FBI special agent, Brett King, uh, who actually warned, you know, that AI and other emerging technologies, um, you know, they're making these scams uh, more sophisticated and they're luring, uh, you know, again, the, those that are looking for <laughs> love and relationships, um, in particular, you know, uh, I think he called the demographic elderly uh, and single or widowed women, um, you know, they're looking for relationships. So, so these scammers are you know, exploiting that and uh, starting relationships, uh, obviously with the intent to uh, extort money out of these relationships. Now, in, in your work uh, in the cybersecurity world, what advice do you give our listeners that are uh, tuned in right now and are thinking, oh, my goodness, what if this is me? How do I protect myself? And how are they using AI to do these things? Sure. Yeah, I think first and foremost, you know, from us, you know, anything with technology uh, these days, we always, there's a term we use in cybersecurity, which is zero trust. And, you know, to, you know what that means basically is uh, don't trust uh, outright, but verify. Mm-hmm. And in the case of online dating apps, um, you know, what we see actually on the bright side is some of the, uh, the more reputable dating apps are starting to get onto these scams and are creating these, you know, what we call identity verification programs. So think of like the blue check mark on your Twitter account, right, mm-hmm. which validates the um, integrity of that person or that, um, that account. Um, so some more reputable, um, like Tinder, actually, and interestingly enough, is one of these more reputable uh, apps where they're starting to incorporate this technology, this capability. So I would say, first and foremost, for anyone out there, you know, if, you, if you've got to go the online dating route, um, go with a reputable uh, company that has that type of capability, first and foremost. And so... If you're going to do some online dating, do it with a reputable um, platform like uh, Tinder that's actually making sure that people are who they say they are. 
Now, what about um, deep fake stuff like AI created phony uh, profiles um, in, in other places? How do you steer clear of that? Yeah, that's a challenge, and it's not just in the online dating scene where we're seeing that. In fact, a recent report by cybersecurity firm Articwolf um, showed that uh, as we come into the elections this at the end of this year, that there is a, a high concern for AI deepfakes to come in and uh, cause havoc with um, you know, basically uh, replicating a, a politician or a government official and um, causing people to uh, you know, think differently about uh, said candidate. Right. So I think uh, the challenge here is that AI has become pervasive, both good and bad. And so we need a, a partnership between private and public to create better standards and to create uh, technologies to uh, allow individuals to understand outright the source of, of the uh, videos or the media that they're watching over the Internet. And we're seeing some of that take place today, I think, with the likes of Microsoft and IBM you know, working in partnership to create what are called credentials as a service. And these will allow tags to be put on audio and video files that are disseminated on the internet. And, um, you know, that in, on top of which you can include some technologies and capabilities that IBM and Intel are putting out, which will allow for real time analysis of audio and video to be able to discern uh, within uh, you know, a short period of time, whether something has been artificially created or not. And that's pretty cool. But uh, do you feel like that's something that everybody or anybody could do? Or is that just a, a, a tad too sophisticated for, I think it sounds a tad too sophisticated for me. <laughs> uh, anything else yeah, I think that people could do? Yeah, I think what, uh, you know, eventually these, uh, again, I agree, initially they will, you know, they'll come out and there's some sophistication around them, but as they become uh, more mass marketed uh, and available uh, and, and leverage the standards, uh, that, that these would benefit, uh, you know, the general person out on the Internet. I think, again, looking at, you know, right as it stands today, uh, if I'm, you know, on the internet, I've got to question everything I see. I've got to validate its authenticity. It's the same thing when you get an email these days that you know, everyone's, I think, starting to become smart to the fact that, you know, they've got to really question uh, an email, whether it comes from, uh, you know, a trusted source or not. In fact, you know, for myself, sometimes I get emails from a family member with an attachment. I'll give that family member a call. And, right. um, and validate that they actually sent that to me, right, before uh, going ahead and opening something on, on an email. So I think right now the, the safest bet and what I would recommend for, for people in general is to always just kind of revalidate what they're seeing. If you're online and you're uh, talking to someone and, you know, there's certain um, best practices, especially if you're on a video and you think it might be a deep fake, you can ask someone to wave their hand in front of their face. Um, you know, deep fakes uh, are sophisticated, but uh, not sophisticated to the point where you can't spot irregularities. Right. Um, so things That's like ad movement, um, pixelation, uh, you know, turn, someone turning their head sideways. Uh, AI deep fakes today are great with front, you know, uh, perspectives of a face, but the side perspective, not so much. Um, so there's a number of things along that line that I would also recommend. Wow. 
Well, that's actually really, really good. And it reminds me of a story we heard recently about somebody transferring millions of dollars because he thought he was on a Zoom call with a bunch of people, including his CFO. And it turned out the whole thing was a deep fake. <laughs> anyway, uh, excellent, excellent uh, tips. I appreciate it. If you're out there and you're lonely, don't get caught up in a Valentine's Day cyber scam. Make sure you stay safe. Uh, John Bromfield, thank you very much for being with us tonight. We appreciate it. Right. Thank you. You bet. All right, folks, your calls and more are coming up straight ahead. Start getting them in. Open Phone America starting right now. We're going to cover a couple of more topics, but uh, we're going to get to your calls momentarily. The phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valentine's Day horror stories. Uh, at least that's what I'm looking at right here. If you want to chime in on that, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, check this one out. This is pretty, uh, I'm going to go with the word scary, right? Pretty scary. An angry Airbnb host sent a guest's wife security photos of him with another woman. Wow. How about that for Valentine's Day? You get a little video of your uh, paramour there, and oh my goodness, it's not you. It's with someone else. This vengeful Airbnb host took a security photo of her married guest in the company of another female and emailed the image to the man's wife after a failed uh, extortion attempt triggered uh, by a bad review, according to the lawsuit. Uh, Sean Mackey from Mississippi is suing Airbnb and their super host, Pamela Fowler accusing them of invading his privacy, inflicting on him emotional distress and causing damage to his marriage. Mackey's 22-page uh, complaint, initially filed in September and obtained by the Post, New York Post um, this Wednesday, alleges that Fowler emailed his wife a screenshot from a secret door camera taken after 3 a.m. showing Mackey with a woman who was not his wife. The super host allegedly waged a campaign of vengeance after he refused to pay $960 in fees and penalties for having extra guests and breaking house rules. You know, I'm just going to pause right there. I know what, what we're talking about here, but I find Airbnb to be exorbitantly expensive. They advertise one price, and then after all the fees, this, that, and the other, and the cleaning fee, it's so much more expensive than just going to a hotel. Am I wrong here? Is it just me that always gets done that way? Anyway, um, we continue. 
The uh, compromising image was sent from a bogus email account allegedly set up by Ms. Fowler and pretending to be Mackie. Ooh. The plaintiff's marriage has suffered as a result, the lawsuit says. And the uh, New York Post contacted Airbnb looking for a comment but didn't get one. In September of 2022, Mackie rented Fowler's house in Memphis, Tennessee, billed as a little bit more country for a weekend get-together with old friends. Mr. Mackie booked the stay from September 9th through September 11th for a total of four guests. In his exchanges with the Airbnb superhost, Mr. Mackey said he may invite additional friends over for a low-key dinner, but they will not be spending the night, according to emails attached to the complaint. That sounds like a lovely time, Ms. Fowler replied. I would be delighted to host you all. The three-bedroom, two-bathroom home, which Fowler was renting out for $567 per night, could accommodate up to 12 guests. So sounds like it makes sense so far. Now, Fowler guests, uh, excuse me, Fowler voiced no objection to having any additional guests and reassured Mr. Mackey that he could just add them to the guest list at any time, according to the lawsuit. Now, Ms. Fowler sent Mr. Mackey a long list of house rules, including no smoking or vaping, no excessive noise, no guests from the local area, no parking in front of uh, the garage doors or on the right side of the driveway, no glass, no food, no drinks, or urinating in the pool, and no skinny dipping. She warned that she reserved the right to impose a $500 fine at her discretion if police were called to the house for any reason, and a $250 fine plus a cancellation of the stay for bringing additional guests. Uh, Mr. Fowler, uh, Ms. Fowler reminded Mr. Mackey that security cameras outside the house are in use at all times and are used to verify. Uh, this just froze on me. This is getting good. They're used to verify. Could this timing be any worse? Unbelievable. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, bendito. Oh, well, I find that place there. It's really good here. It was getting good. Let me see. Verify. The things you go through in live radio. All right, let's see here. Used to verify. Here we go. Uh, used to verify guest count, noise, and disturbances. Rest assured, we will take great care of your home, Mr. Mackey told Ms. Fuller. Uh, a couple of hours after checking into the home, Mr. Mackey sent Ms. Fuller an updated guest list with nine names, but noted that maybe a few more will be joining him. Only four to five of them will be staying overnight. Just minutes later, Fowler informed Mackey for the first time that only eight guests would be permitted at the house and that there would be additional costs per guest regardless of whether they stay over or not. She also reminded Mr. Mackey of her strict no parties policy. I apologize we had not discussed the, the guest count tripling, she wrote in a message attached to the complaint. Each guest does have to be put on the Airbnb list and accounted for with uh, rules and insurance requirements, etc. There is a cost for each guest, even if they do not spend the night. I should also remind you about the strict no parties rule. Thank you for understanding. As the evening went on, Ms. Fowler messaged Mr. Mackey again, demanding that he either add the extra guests now or have them leave immediately. 
The host claims she received complaints of disturbances and yelling profanity in the parking area. About 15 minutes later, Fuller fired off another message uh, to her guest demanding that he leave at once, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They, it goes on and it goes on. There's a back and forth. There's screenshots. There's all sorts of stuff here, right? Finally, um, Mr. Mackey left a negative review of his stay on Airbnb's website and requested a partial refund of $502.46, which was denied. His review was also allegedly taken down. After the posted review, Ms. Fuller began harassing Mr. Mackey about his review and was obviously concerned about her Airbnb super host status, uh, you know, uh, being taken away. Ma- uh, Mr. Mackey was contacted by Airbnb, who told him that the company will be suspending his account pending an investigation into his claims, which could potentially end with his account being terminated. Oh, how scary. No more expensive Airbnbs. Anyway, uh, this goes on and on. I'm not going to bore you with the details, although I'm thoroughly enthralled in this story. But the bottom line here is definitely a Valentine's Day disaster uh, for Mr. Mackey, who got caught out there with another woman. So uh, what's your crazy Valentine's Day story? I'm curious. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. We uh, get to your calls momentarily. 833-482-5337-8334 Valdez. And ultimately, this story is about the the guy that, again, uh, rents this Airbnb, has a party with his friends, brings his mistress over, and then gets ratted out by the Airbnb person because he wouldn't pay the extra fine that she was giving him. And I don't know who's a good person or bad person in this story, but it, it doesn't sound to me like uh, he did himself any favors going to an Airbnb. I mean, he could have gone to a hotel and probably saved a ton of money. Anyway, I want to know your thoughts on that, on the shooting, on everything. If you're online, hold on. We're going to get to your calls momentarily. I'm very interested in hearing what you have to say. And I'm looking forward to that as well. 833-482-5337-833-4 Valdez. I'm Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Live from the city that never sleeps. 
17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Wednesday night, Valentine's Day. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And a couple of things we're talking about tonight. We've talked about how the medical uh, industry is at odds with itself, right? You've got some doctors from Do No Harm, uh, medical doctors, psychiatrists that are taking umbrage with the APA, the American Psychological Association, over how they're treating people that have gender dysphoria. They don't believe that the right thing to do is to have a double mastectomy if you're a girl that feels like you're a boy. And pump them with uh, puberty blockers or hormones. They think this is wrong, and they're speaking out about it, and good for them. And that's just one of the things we've been talking about. We've also had uh, discussion on cyber criminals that will sucker people into fake profiles on dating apps. Uh, with Valentine's upon us today, I want to, you know, get some of your Valentine's Day horror stories on that. Uh, of course, we also talked about the rampant crime that's going on. The, the, one of those guys that beat up one of the NYPD cops uh, last week was uh, arrested again today in a robbery in Queens. So it just goes to show you these guys are, like Trump said, bad hombres. And another one of those guys was arrested uh, in, in Florida right after he was released without bail from the, uh, the beating of, of the police officer. So it's just crazy to see what's going on, and that continues. Of course, there's a, another report by Matt Taibbi and uh, some of his uh, journalistic colleagues that is now um, revealing that the CIA and foreign intelligence agencies illegally targeted 26 Trump associates before they even came up with the 2016 Russia collusion claims. And in fact, there was no Russian collusion, which was proven by the Inspector General's report and by um, by the Mueller report. Uh, what it turned out to be was these folks within our government working with other foreign governments to get those governments to spy on folks in the Trump campaign and then ultimately in the Trump White House. And this is a big deal. And it up to and including m members of the FBI that went rogue, that used um, and abused the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court uh, to secure warrants on Americans, uh, which is, again, unprecedented and just, just crazy. And one of the lawyers that, that uh, doctored an email to even get one of these uh, warrants, fake fictitious warrants, uh, was arrested and and all of that, but it seems like this all falls on deaf ears. So that report is there. I'll actually tweet this out so you can take a look at it. I'm pretty sure you've seen a bit of it if you're on Twitter. If you haven't, 
You'll have a chance to see it now. And that's uh, part of what we're talking about. Now, I want to get to some of your calls because it is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. El Dia del Amor. And I want to, I like horror stories just because I think they're funny. You know, like Valentine's Day horror stories. But um, I I can go with any Valentine's Day story, honestly, as long as it's an entertaining one. And, of course, the number to, to do that would be 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, uh, I'm taking your calls on everything, whether it's uh, the shootings that we talked about, uh, the problems with crime. I mean, you name it, there's a lot that's on the table tonight. But I want to get to the phones. Let's go to Fort Worth, Texas, uh, listening on KLIF. Let's check in with uh, Marie. Uh, lots of uh, Valentine's Day stories. Let's hear what's on your mind. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Is this Valdez? That's me. Lower your radio. This way everybody in America can hear you loud and clear. Oh, sorry. No problem. Classical music on. I apologize. (laughs) That's some of my favorites. Okay, well, I was, um, I recently discovered my Apple, um, like, it's just a little Sony player, so I can stick my phone on it, and it actually has a radio. I was like, whoa, so I'm going through all the dials. I get to AM. It has AM. Right, I haven't even found out if it has any other bands. I just stopped at AM and I went all the way to the very last one, and there you were. So oh, awesome! They to, saved the um, best for last. Can I? The best, right? And it's the only one that comes in clear, and it's not like you know chumpa music. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm not very politically correct, but I did want to bring up the Airbnb thing. Uh, could I tell a quick horror story about an Airbnb? Sure. Okay, so um, I rented a house for a few days, and I had one pet, and, you know, it was a cat, and, you know, I was going to take care of it and everything, so I paid the extra fee and um, got to the house, turned on the air conditioner, it was in midsummer, and within a few minutes, I got a text from her, and she said, there's a window in the front that needs to be closed. Do you have the air conditioner on? Oh, wow. I was so cre- I was so creeped out. I was like, uh, "Are you like watching me?" <laughs> anyway, so it was sort of like that through the whole weekend. But then a few, like a week later, I got a fee for having a pet. <laughs> oh wow! And I texted yeah. her back, and I was like, um, "I believe I rented the whole thing with pet, like already built in, right?" So right, of course. <laughs> Yeah, and I, that's I, that's exactly the experience I've had, not with pets, but just in general, where you you think you're paying one price, and then they try to get you on another price, and and it seems like it, it's only designed for one person to win, and that's the Airbnb host. They they have all sorts of fees, hundred and twenty five dollar cleaning fees. I, I've been in hotels where I've spent one hundred and twenty five dollars a night. Just imagine uh, paying an additional fee. I can't imagine why anybody, unless you're looking for a house and you want to put 10 or 12 people in there, I can't imagine why somebody would even rent an Airbnb because I was always under the impression that this is a more affordable or more accessible option. But in reality, I think it comes out more expensive and oftentimes it's not as advertised, Marie. That's just how I see it. Right. And uh, you're on the X platform, correct? Oh, yeah. I'm on X at Rich Valdez with an S. Okay, well, I'm the modern mystic, and I'll see if I can find you. I don't go on social media much because I do a lot of modern mystic-y things. 
Well, tell me what, what uh, about your modern mysticism? Uh, is that like clairvoyance where you could see into the future or how does it work? Okay, I'll give you a clue. I'm in Texas. If that doesn't give you a clue, I'm an ordained minister. And I am a Jesus-loving, Father God, worshiping every day, mystic. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, So what what type of mysticism uh, do you engage in? Well, it's a a person who seeks after truth according to the dictates of the heart. So the heart is the leader of a mystic, and it's seeking for truth. But I'm also an ordained minister. I have been since I was 22, and I'm a little older than 22 now. (laughs) Well, that's wonderful, Uh, Maury. I think that's fantastic. And uh uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing from you again as you tune into the show on your really cool little Sony radio, which hooks up to your phone, which I think is awesome. Uh, I've been told about these uh, this type of um, device in the past, and I love that uh, the fact that you can still use uh, old school radio through uh, streaming, which is I think really 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 cool. So thank you for tuning in from uh, Fort Worth, Texas area, KLIF in the building. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, we will continue with your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337 is our phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. For Valdez, that's Valdez with an S. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we're talking about Valentine's Day nightmare stories, horror stories, and I'm going to get to one in a moment. But I wanted to uh, quickly just um, share that earlier today, I don't know why. Uh, I do know why. Um, I I started watching Ghostbusters, the original one from 1984. And can I tell you how cool it was when all of a sudden they were showing a clip from a late night radio host named Larry King back in 1984 uh, doing his show in this very time slot talking about Ghostbusters. Of course, he was making a cameo appearance at the time, uh, you know, for, for comedic value. But I thought it was just so cool to see that the tradition of radio lives on from back then. And uh, we're still going strong with streaming radios. How about that? That's a pretty cool thing. But now just imagine this. You you and your significant other or your side piece, if, you know, if you're like the guy from the Airbnb, you go on a, uh, a lover's getaway, right? And you take a flight from Amsterdam to Detroit. However, all of a sudden... 
you've got maggots falling on your head from the overhead bin. Well, that's what happened to folks on a Delta flight from Amsterdam to Detroit. And uh, it turned around after the maggots fell on the passengers. Listen to this. An hour into a Delta flight from Amsterdam to Detroit, the plane had to turn around after maggots started falling on people from the overhead cabin uh, into the uh, folks that were sitting in the, in the, in the cabin uh, from the overhead. That's crazy, right? Delta flight DL-133 returned to uh, Schiphol Tuesday after a suitcase containing rotten fish in the overhead broke open and maggots began to fall on the unsuspecting passengers. This is reported in the Daily Mail. Once the airplane landed, passengers exited the cabin and it was clean. The suitcase involved was uh, put in a bag to be burned. One of the flight passengers told the Daily Mail that the Delta staff identified the owner of the rotting suitcase and detained them on the plane after all the passengers disembarked. And crazy, right? The passenger uh, named Kelsey said those in convenience were given 8,000 air miles, hotel room uh, compensation, and a $30 meal ticket if they were delayed overnight from continuing their travels. It's unclear if the suitcase owner was fined or if any action was taken against them, but uh, they did turn that plane around. There was a Reddit thread that alerted social media users about what was going on, and there were people chiming in, one person saying, my family and I were in the road directly in front of the maggots. And uh, the lady behind us told us, the flight attendants, uh, that the maggots were falling on her head. Ugh, I turned around and they were wiggling on the seat. That is so gross. Uh, the passenger said they heard the fish was wrapped in newspaper. Uh, they apologized, uh, the flight crew, uh, as their trip was interrupted due to an improperly packed carry-on bag was what uh, Delta Airlines put out in a statement to uh, Fox Business. And it said the aircraft returned to the gate. Passengers were placed on the next available flight. The aircraft was removed from service for cleaning. And uh, they also said that edible and perishable items are allowed on board as part of your carry-on baggage, provided there is no violation of agricultural restrictions for the destination country adding that Delta is not responsible for any perishable item that spoils or goes bad while in transit. <laughs> so you can pack your fish if it's legally allowed to pack fish, but you cannot, you cannot hold Delta responsible if maggots uh, are the result of what happens there. Pretty crazy, right? Pretty crazy. So good luck to everybody that's out there on, on their Valentine's Day getaway from Amsterdam to Detroit to the D. Uh, and have maggots in their head. That's crazy. Now, I want to continue on this theme of Valentine's uh, horror stories. And if again, if you've got something different you want to bring to this, feel free. I just think this is pretty funny stuff. And uh, I'm looking at another story here uh, in Vice magazine. And this is uh, an interesting story. The guy was 17 years old. It was his first Valentine's uh, woman was uh, 17 years old. It was her first Valentine's Day a date with her boyfriend. And they went out to a local bar. And she says this, I thought flowers and dinner would have been more than enough. But just as we started uh, getting into our meal, four old-ish men in red tuxedos, bow ties and all, walked in. I nudged him to look because it was hilarious. But then they came directly to our table. I felt terrified, and then I realized it was about to happen. 
They, they introduced themselves in front of all the other diners and handed me a teddy bear. They blew a little tuning whistle and they began singing. She says, I felt like my face was on fire. I couldn't actually believe it was happening. It was so surreal. They sang three songs and people were turning, watching and laughing. The attention was excruciating. It was typical barbershop quartet music as well. Each time they finished singing a song, I'd feel relief only for them to start up singing again. <laughs> it was hard to recover. Afterwards, I was definitely in shock for the rest of the dinner. Uh, she continues saying, looking back, I thought that maybe uh, this might have been inspired by an episode of Friends where Ross hires a barbershop quartet to sing for Rachel at her new workplace. It's weird because Rachel hates the quartet in the show, and it's very much uh, framed as a possessive move by Ross. So I have no idea why he thought it was a good idea. I'll never forget those red tuxedos. That's from Layla. She's 30 years old, and she's from France. And that's, again, according to this piece here in uh, Vice Magazine. So uh, I'm really curious to know your Valentine's Day horror stories. And uh, we're going to get to those momentarily as soon as we get back. The phone number, 833-4825-337-8334, Valdez. Also interested in knowing your thoughts on the latest on what we discussed about Joel Baboso Biden, the situation at the border, the situation with crime, and pretty much everything else we've talked about tonight. We've covered a lot of ground, so I'm looking forward to hearing from you on that. And, of course, Anytime you miss an interview that you may have enjoyed on the program, make sure that you check it out at richvaldezamericaatnight.com. That's our website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. And one more thing I wanted to mention was there's a lot of talk coming out of Congress, out of Washington, about Russia, um, this massive uh, national security intelligence leak that's been around, saying that Russia is planning on putting nuclear weapons that could affect satellites in outer space. And I just want to tell you, stay tuned. We're going to talk about that uh, tomorrow night with somebody who retired from the United States Space Force. So we'll be um, having that discussion as well. So stick with me, folks. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. I see calls coming in from all over the country idaho indiana new york and uh, where's the west coast at give me a call rich valdez don't go anywhere Welcome back. And we continue with Open Phone America, a long tradition on this program, 833-4825-337-8334, Valdez. And again, we've had uh, lots of discussion tonight on a number of topics. Uh, we've talked about what is going on in Washington. We've talked about uh, cyber scammers that are taking advantage of people because it's Valentine's Day with fake uh, online dating accounts. That was a whole thing that we talked about that I didn't even know was a thing. So that was pretty interesting. We also talked about doctors who are 
uh, now uh, fighting back against the APA, the American Psychological Association. Uh, these doctors uh, that are medical doctors, psychiatrists that are saying they're taking the wrong approach that the APA is putting politics over patient care. And uh, that was a really interesting uh, conversation that we had. And, of course, we talked about um, how there's a shooting at the end of the K, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs um, Super Bowl parade, as well as crime that's just out of control in New York City. Uh, so plenty going on. And, of course, your Valentine's Day horror stories, uh, which to me are um, just fun to listen to. So uh, let's go over here to, uh, let's see, where do we go? Let's go to Lance. He's in Kalispell, Montana, KOFI. Lance, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Good evening, sir. Thank you for taking my call. I think one of the most historical nightmare uh, Valentine's Day was that of uh, our president, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who lost both his mom and his uh, wife of his newborn child in the same span of 24 hours over the Valentine's Day holiday. And uh, that just makes me even more thankful for the people in my life and uh, more willing to show them the uh, gratuity and the love that I have for them every day. You know, Lance, that's a very good point. It's a, I think it's always important to take a position of uh, thankfulness and realize that there are so many people that, that have gone through things that we may not have gone through. And you're right. I think it was February 13th that uh, Teddy Roosevelt um, lost his wife and his, his she died during childbirth. And uh, that's rough. That's got to be rough. I've never been through it, and I pray that I never do go through something like that. But uh, definitely rough. And, yeah, talk about a, a, a Valentine's Day uh, horror story. I think that's one right there. A big shout-out to you, Lance, and everybody listening on KOFI in Kalispell, Montana. And we continue. Let's go to Sarah, Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Sarah, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, great show. Uh, are you familiar with a band called Guar, G-W-A-R, and they had a song called Maggots, and there's a lyric in there that says, <laughs> Maggots are falling like rain. Uh, I have another quick story. This happened at a different school district in a different right. county, so I don't want to get any rumors started, but the yeah, yeah. science teacher, I, yeah. I heard about they had pet snakes, black snakes, and they got loose, and they got in the drop ceiling, and then they reappeared in an adjacent classroom, and they fell down on a kid during class. Wow. That's funny. It's almost like that movie Snakes on a Plane. You hear stories like this, and you think, man, that can't be. But, you know, then you hear somebody corroborate that, and you think, well, I guess it can be. <laughs> That's kind of nuts. Just imagine being in school, and you're telling your parents, I'm in school today. Oh, you know, there were snakes coming out of the ceiling. Parents can be like, what are you doing in school? What are you smoking, right? What's going on in that place? Half the people wouldn't believe you if you said something like that. Uh, Sarah, that's pretty crazy. I'm glad, um, you know, it, uh, it. I'm guessing it eventually worked out for people. What do you, um, do you, what's your own, do you have your own crazy Valentine's Day horror story? Oh, gosh. Um, not really, except that in the early days when I was married, but before we got married, I was dating this guy, and we'd moved in together, and he was late or something, and I thought, oh, my goodness, maybe he walked out on me, and then I realized all of his personal effects were still at the apartment, so when he got home, I said, well, I knew you didn't run out on me because your stuff was still here. That's not a very interesting story, but that's probably the closest <laughs> to the horror story. 
Did, did um, Well, okay, he didn't run out, and did he just go somewhere, or uh, was he trying to go somewhere? What's the uh, the end of that story? Yeah, he was just uh, late, better late than never. <laughs> ah, he was just late, got it. Well, thank you, Sarah, I appreciate it. Bedford, Indiana, WBIW, big shout-out to you guys in uh, Indiana. And let me see, we got, we got time for yet another uh, let's go to Dave. Dave is uh, en route to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, listening on WPTF. Dave, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. When I got in the vehicle, uh, I heard uh, you were talking about the Airbnb story and being watched. Uh, the lady said she was being watched and the window was open and everything. I it, it, yeah. it made me think about something. I've got to make it. Uh, hey, Dave, I'm going to put you on hold for a second. Let's see if we can get your radio turned down. Or there's a little bit of feedback coming through, and it's tough to hear you, but it sounds like a good story, and I, I want to make sure we, we get a chance to hear you. Let's uh, While we're waiting for Dave to get uh, his phone call situated, let's go to Ann in La Crosse, Wisconsin on WIZM. Ann, good you're evening, on with Rich, Rich Valdez. Hey, happy Valentine's good Day, evening. Ann. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Rich. You're looking excellent. You're looking great. Well, thank you. Um, Likewise, my friends, Well, um, yeah, I comb my hair and brush my teeth just for you. Um, <laughs> Love that. My, friend, my friends and I decided to go out to eat for Valentine's Day, and I wanted to see what buffalo meat tasted like. So I ordered some buffalo wings, and you know it tastes just like chicken? <laughs> rattlesnake oh, meat and uh, allig- rattlesnake meat and alligator meat. Everything always tastes like chicken. Yeah, you know that's funny. You know, so I've actually I've had a buffalo burger once, and um, it tasted just like like um, like like a cow hamburger. You know, it it didn't. I didn't notice it. They said, "Oh, it's a little more this. It's a little more rich." It's a little, I, I I didn't notice any difference at all other than they told me it was a buffalo burger. So it makes me wonder, was it really? You know, how much of that can you actually trust? But, Anne, tell us about, um, uh, do you have another um, Valentine's Day horror story that you can share with us besides um, your buffalo meat tasting just like chicken? Well, I I really don't have anything of of real interest. Um, I've always got my eyes open on good-looking guys around. I (laughs) <laughs> I spy those out. I I just look, you. but I don't touch. Well, that's that's how it's got to be. Otherwise, you get in trouble. You'd be like Joe Biden. They'll they'll accuse you of something somewhere. And thank you for the call. I appreciate it. When we come back, we go to calls in North Carolina, Idaho, and more coming in eight three three four eight two five three three seven eight three three four Valdez. Don't go anywhere. This is America at night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez here with you. And uh, again, we're we're joking around a lot about Biden's memory and things he can't remember. But I want to know what you remember about your craziest Valentine's Day. And uh, we've got calls from all across the country coming in tonight. I want to uh, go back to Dave, who was uh, en route to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, listening on WPTF. Dave, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yeah, Rich, can you hear me now? Yeah, just make sure your radio is completely off so we don't get any feedback. Go for it. Yeah, it is. It's off. Um, Perfect. So anyway, I got to I got to do a turnaround to, to Dallas so I get out there and and like to stay at lodging at Fort Worth at the reserve base while I'm except that it's crazy expensive now. So I called Motel Six and said, "Hey, you know, uh, what do you guys do?" And found out they photocopy your ID now. They they copy your photo ID when you check in. And I said, "Well, well, wait a minute." If Why? I use a credit card and you want to see my ID, that's fine. They said, no, no, no. We we copy your photo ID and keep it on file. And I thought, you know, because the ID theft thing is really being driven. And I thought, yeah, because nobody working the night shift at a motel would ever think of stealing, you know, copying right. an ID. It, I mean, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but they're telling me that that's their corporate policy now. Wow. It almost makes you think like that Airbnb story where maybe they're doing it just so that they could blackmail you later and say, hey, you know what, uh, Dave, last time you hear you were here with this woman and this time you're here with another woman. And maybe we want to send, uh, you know, uh, our video footage of this one and that one like the other one. Uh, that That's just nuts to me that they keep things like that on file. But uh, I've seen similar. I went somewhere the other day where they were like, oh, ID, please. And I thought they just wanted to see how old I was. Uh, or if I was who I say I am, and they put in a little machine and they scanned a copy of it. And I was like, what do you do with that? And they're like, oh, just, you know, we keep a record of who's been here. I was like, oh, shoot. I wish I would have known before I wouldn't have come in. But, uh, you know, I didn't want to make a big deal of it, so I kept it moving. But uh, interesting the way uh, certain people work. Big Brother is definitely uh, in full uh, in full effect in a lot of these places, Dave. Uh, thank you for your service, obviously, to our country. And thank you for your call. Big shout out to everybody listening in the uh, Fort Bragg area on WPTF. And uh, we continue our calls. Let us go to Tom. Tom's in Terre Haute, Indiana, W-I-B-Q. Tom, we talked a little bit about maggots falling out of the overhead bins on an airline. Uh, Horrible flight for many people. What say you, Tom? Well, yeah, it's kind of in uh, regards to that. Uh, a Lufthansa flight uh, two days ago, I believe, had a gentleman that got on the plane and he was sick uh, when he got on. And within a short period of time after the plane took off, he, he uh, bled out through his mouth and his nose. Wow. And that's not a good wow. thing. That's like a uh, not a good disease, if it's what I'm thinking of. But, what, what do you think it is? Well, that's a symptom of Marlboro disease or Ebola. Oh, wow. Where people just, heard that just bleed out through their... Yeah, well, it's it, I, it's on, this, on the Internet, but it's not very much. But apparently right around that same time, a gentleman and his wife were on an Air France plane, and he noticed he was sitting or stepping in something wet at his seat, and come to find out it's from a passenger that had bled... And I, I don't know the circumstances on it, but apparently the guy bled a lot. 
and it was on wow. the floor of that plane. And the guy that showed a picture of the guy, they gave him paper towels to clean it up. And it showed a picture of him throwing the towels in a in a restroom. But I mean, that's that's how that's a uh, yeah, that's a pretty dangerous thing. And then I haven't heard anything about it. There's a little blurb on the internet about it, both of those instances. But but that's kind of it. But that's kind of scary. I thought it might get a little bit more newsworthy than that. But it's I'd rather have the maggots. Yeah, <laughs> right. Me too. To that. That's pretty crazy stuff. Wow, Tom, thank you for the call from Terre Haute, Indiana, WIBQ. And I'm taking a look at an article here talking about this, uh, this uh, Lufthansa flight from Bangkok to Munich. And uh, unexpected tragedy. 63-year-old man died mid-flight, unforeseen illness. The incident highlights the importance of being prepared for potential in-flight illnesses, uh, including motion sickness, nausea, gastrointestinal symptoms, headaches, dizziness, dehydration, and, uh, you know, it goes over all these general things. Uh, but this, this poor guy, a uh, German man, uh, who was in previously good health, was uh, seized by this unforeseen illness, cold sweats before takeoff, the aircraft soared through the skies, his condition worsened, culminating in the expulsion of liters of blood. Talk about a bad Valentine's Day for this guy. Man, poor guy, very sorry. Um, despite the efforts of a uh, nursing specialist that was on board, who tried to help, he uh, succumbed to his afflictions mid-flight. Jeez. Uh, in the wake of the incident, the uh, Internet was ablaze with all sorts of conjecture, and somebody was saying that it might have been Ebola. Yet the CDC reminds us that where Ebola virus can be indeed spread, through contact, those infected typically display symptoms such as fever, weakness, or loss of appetite, abdominal pain, diarrhea, and vomiting. Not, um, well, actually, yeah, unexplained hemorrhaging, bleeding, and bruising within a matter of days. The exact cause of this man's demise uh, is undisclosed and shrouded in mystery. So we don't know exactly what happened there, at least not according to the Bangkok News here that's reporting it. So, yeah, horrible story. It really is a horrible story. But uh, we continue with your calls as we wrap this thing up. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I see there's a few people online have been on hold. We're going to get to you momentarily. 833-482-5337. It's Valentine's Day. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. 
All right, America, welcome back. And I don't know if you guys know what these are. I honestly didn't know what they are. But there are these, um, these, they're called, I don't know if they're called Pops or they're called Funkos. Do you guys in the control room? Funko Pop. There we go. So Funko Pop, I got one for Valentine's Day. And it looks just like me. It's bald-headed and he's got glasses on. He's got a beard and he's holding a pair of headphones. He's wearing a suit. Really, really big head guy. Really looks just like me. And uh, I'll put a picture on it on uh, my Instagram and my Twitter and all the rest of the social media a uh, little bit. So just give me a little time to get that picture up there. But you can take a look at it and see you know, who wore it better. Maybe I'll put on a red tie just to make a funny picture. But uh, I got one of those. And let me tell you, these are fun little uh, figurines, right? Uh, it comes, mine was personalized, came my name on it and everything on the box. I thought it was really, really cool. I guess everybody's comes like that. I don't know. But I do know that it's, it's really, really cool and it's funny and it looks like a cartoon. And, uh, and I wasn't, apparently this is a very big thing and people collect them. I didn't know anything about it uh, until I got one. And I thought that was really, really cool. So thank you for that. And um, let's continue. I want to continue with your calls. Let's go to Paulie, Boise, Idaho, listening online to Rich Valdez, com. Go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, happy Valentine's Day, Rich. Hope you had a oh, great thanks, one. thanks, Paul. You too, brother. Yeah. Yeah, it's an uneventful, hardworking day today. Um, yeah, just the patriotic duty that I have to offer you is, um, you know, I'm I love this country, and at one time I really loved the office of the President of the United States. And I think it's my duty to let you know that I can help Joe, Joe Biden any way I can, you know, try to get over some humps. And um, I figured out that his head is so far up his tuchus that I got him a plexiglass belt buckle so he could see where he's going all the time instead of bumping into <laughs> things or falling downstairs or stumbling over sandbags and uh, you know, maybe maybe dr jill should have gotten him uh one of those plexiglass uh uh thing bobbers that you're talking about so that he could see where he's going because he's in bad shape and that would have been a really good valentine's day gift for him uh you know joe i'm really starting honestly i'm starting to feel bad for joe el baboso biden and i'm hopeful that we can we can move past the biden era of of life and into a new era where people are making money again and we're back on the upswing and, you know, people are just um, just happy to be happy to be here. Right. And people are making investments and and doing it with a, with a cool and sober mind and, and not freaking out about interest rates. And that seems to be where we are still. Anyway, uh, I got lots to complain about tomorrow, lots to discuss as well. I want to get into a bunch of stuff. So stick with me tomorrow. Plus, we're going to talk about that Space Force topic. Don't go anywhere, folks. And until the next time, hasta la próxima. Take care, good night, and God bless. I'm Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.